Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. The practices of the Vatican have been the subject of much scrutiny over their almost two millennia of operation. Uh, From the Crusades to the selling of indulgences, there are numerous skeletons that lie beneath St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, that is, besides the multiple popes whose bones are interred there. Recently, though, the papacy has moved on from the multiple scandals of legit murder that dot their history and on to more refined scandals of the modern day. And we aren't going to talk about the ones that you are probably thinking of at this moment. (coughs) (laughs) Uh, That is probably best done by another set of podcasters. Uh, No, today we discuss a few scandals that... Semi-recent popes have found themselves embroiled in that center around the one thing that makes the world go round, even in God's country. Cold, hard cash. Did you say altar boys? I thought you said water toys. Is this a joke? Trying to be. Okay. Not funny today. Water toys? I don't know. I was trying to think of something. Like small little boats that I would play with in In the the pool. Like a... Like... the water noodles? Yeah. Okay. Or boats. Okay. They also have these new <laughs> fish that you can drop into the bathtub and they swim. Oh, man. New fish just dropped. Where were you when the new fish dropped? Um, not in the bathtub. Most fire toy of this whole decade, bro. Are you joking right now? Yes, I'm okay. joking. Right, Are you kidding right, me? Right. You think I'm taking baths with fucking like toys still? Like I'm out there look, I'm looking for stuff? I have a bath. With a toy, it's been over 20 years. Probably over 23 years. You just trade out the toys for different toys when you're an adult. Like a toaster. Anyway. Hell uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so y- you heard right uh, through that whole intro. We're talking about the Vatican. We're doing another uh, like compilation style episode that we've we've that we've been experimenting more with recently where uh we don't cover just like one scandal um but we cover an entity and we mention a few scandals we've talked about the vatican before and their relationship to financial scandals uh all the way back in our first season and our first two-parter episode on the story of michelle sindona the possibly mafia-linked banker that did some shady business with the ior which is the uh, vatican bank um it's a great story that no one talks about as much as I think it probably should be talked about. Oh, yeah, no, no one. I'd never heard of it before Matt told us about it. And I don't see much about it now. It was a long time ago. Like, mm-hmm. we're the only one that created something new on it in a long, long time. And I think we're going to revisit it at some point and do it a little bit more justice than we did uh, back in the first season. Uh, I'm down with that. Yeah, and we also mentioned not only that, but also the dealings with Roberto Calvi in that in those episodes, which was uh, the leader of the Ambrosiano Bank, who the Vatican used to do a bunch of money laundering, and then he was murdered, and it was framed like it was a suicide. It was a crazy story. Uh, Michele Sindona was also murdered, so there was a lot of, like, that story could be such a good movie, and someone needs to make it, but... No one's talking about it. Uh, But today, we return to some shady business that has been facilitated through the Vatican Bank, albeit with 
quite a bit less murder. Uh, I have three different instances of financial scandals committed by the Vatican, ranging from the 1960s all the way up to the cutting edge of modernity. Uh, so let's start with our first piece of papal piracy. Oh, to Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? You were like, okay, so before the episode started, Kashan was like, sorry if this is a little grandiose. I said uh, verbose. That's verbose. not even the word I used. He's like, I had a lot. I Words came easy to me today. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> so Modernity. Modernity. Modernity <laughs> and the papal piracy. Piece of papal piracy. It's alliteration. Jesus Christ. Huh? All right. Huh? These are all the writing techniques we learned in third grade. I'm just the only one that is brave enough to use them. You're right. Uh, so the year is 1974. The highest grossing film is Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles. But on the opposite end of the country in Philadelphia, a scandal is brewing. Oh, I wonder if it has to do with cheesesteak. It doesn't. Oh, all right. But that's a good guess. It actually has to deal with the Liberty Bell. Oh, whoa! It doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm just naming other Philadelphia things. Uh, in Does the, it have to do with Rocky? Uh, in the city of brotherly love, there is a group of Polish monks known as the Pauline Fathers, uh, named after the, the first Christian hermit, Paul of Thebes. Uh, I'm sure everyone is just as familiar with him as I am, which is not at all. Uh, now, the Pauline Fathers are a monastic order first established in Hungary way back in the year of our Lord, 1215. Uh, they were initially formed to live a life of penance, making sure that they have no fun now so that the big man lets you have a bunch of fun in the next life. I that guess, sounds I think, dumb. I think that's how it works. I don't know. Yeah, it's something like that. Like, I don't know. Whatever. I just think it's stupid because they're like, oh, let's pray and have no fun. And you're like, you know, people are hungry. You could just like be making bread and putting your life to a little bit of good use. Well, monks did make a lot of beer, at least. And All wine. Right. And cheese. Oh, I fucking love cheese. They made a okay, bunch of thanks, cheese. Monks. So, you know, they, 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 made, they made some food. Uh, these modern day Phillies fans, monks, however, thought that this way of life sounded totally boring. And instead of living a life of chaste penance, uh, flogging and eating flavorless gruel like their forefathers, they instead decided to do the exact opposite. Yeah! Uh, the Pauline Fathers of Philadelphia... Kept the flogging, though. Well, only only fun flogging. Yeah. None, of that, none of that boring, uh, like, hurt flogging. Just fun flogging. We love some fun flogging. Fun <laughs> flogging. Say that five times fast. You can't even say it once slow. <laughs> it's so really hard. Uh, <laughs> the Pauline Fathers of Philadelphia lived lives of luxury. Every member that could drive was provided a car that was maintained and fueled on the dime of the monastery. 17 vehicles in total. Every room had a television and a stereo, which they mentioned multiple times. So I guess that's a big, like, monks aren't supposed to have that, especially these ones. Uh, and the le and the leader of the order, the and this is a title in the Catholic Church, the very reverend uh, Michael, with a very Polish last name that I am about to butcher, uh, Zembruski. There's a Z in there. I don't know if that makes a sound or not. I'm just choosing to leave it silent. Uh, he covertly sold himself land owned by the monastery and sold it to a fuel company that that built a pumping station on it. Uh, the only issue with that. Uh, is that the land was a graveyard, and the building of the pumping station required the moving of hundreds of graves. I didn't... You can't do that. So this man straight up was like, 
He like used, he used his lawyer to sell the land to himself from the monastery, and then for a hundred thousand dollars was like, yeah, you can have this piece of land, build your pumping company, we'll move all the dead people. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, aren't you like a little bit worried you're gonna get haunted after that? He was also like 78, so that means he's like gonna get recently haunted. He's, yeah, he's not living no. a long time past this. He's going to come back like Jacob Marley and he'd be like, these are the chains I forged in life. Because that's some bad shit. Damn, I I forgot Charles Dickens was that deep. Uh, And of course, this was all paid for with donations to the monastery. $250,000 for mass requests and the masses were never said. Because it's something you can do. You can pay for them to like say prayers for you. And they just didn't. They were like, they didn't do it. But if you pay for that, you should honestly kind of assume they're not going to do it. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, I guess it's all I wouldn't if you really do look it. Into it but, eh. If uh, it was my job and they were like, here, I'll pay you 10 bucks to say a prayer for me. I'd probably be like, mm. say a little prayer for me forever. Oh, I will. <laughs> Steal your cash and I will sell the graveyard. Um, (laughs) Now, something more uh, concrete that they did not do is that they raised $400,000 in donations for memorial plaques to be erected uh, in a shrine. And they they never did that. (laughs) They just took the $400,000. They used it to buy the cars and... And the TVs and the stereos, uh, and they never built the the plaques. Um, also, back to the graveyard, they misappropriated sixty four thousand dollars from their perpetual care fund, which went to maintaining the graves. Stole it, also for just their own use. And much more money was gained from secret investments into all kinds of businesses that were specifically uh, designed to wring the most money out of the monastery's tax exempt status. What the fuck? So they were like funneling money into investments to gain returns all tax-free because they're a monastery. And then all the while, the grass is growing over my grandfather. Oh, he's not even there anymore. They chucked him in a ditch somewhere because they had to make room for the pumping Dude, station. that's fucked up. Like, what'd they do with those people? Do you know? I don't. I think they just moved them to another grave, probably dug a big hole and threw them all in. And then, like, what happens if your family member was there and you went to go visit them? You gotta walk like 500 extra feet. I don't know. Oh, well, if it's only like 500 feet. I don't know. I don't know the logistics of it. I just know what happens. Um, I was thinking you were relocated to like a cemetery across town. And that's why you should be cremated. No, yeah, I think they were in the same cemetery. They just moved the graves. Uh, they probably did just make a mass grave and threw all the actual bodies in there and then just like moved the headstones and just like, yeah, grandpa's there, but he's probably not there. That is so disrespectful I, to the dead. I have no proof of that. That's just what I assume would happen if you really don't care about anything. So all of this, all of the stuff that the Pauline monks are doing, the Pauline fathers, um, it was done without the knowledge of the IOR. So of it, course it was. So inherently, like I know we're talking about the Vatican. So although they are an offshoot of the Holy Roman Church, they're technically not part of the Vatican Bank. Um, even though. This is obviously a greater testament to the problems with the tax-exempt status for religious organizations in America, which I won't super get into, but, I mean... Yeah, that shit's fucked up. People exploit it We could actually probably solve a huge chunk of our debt problem in this country if we quit letting churches be tax-exempt. Yeah, and if you're tax-exempt, it means that people are looking into your finances less, too, so it breeds corruption. Yeah. Um, So, there is something that is the fault of the Vatican Bank, though, 
And it's that they paid off the debts incurred by the monastery to the tune of $5 million to keep the whole affair quiet. Why? The hush money they paid off, like, what was owed so that it didn't bring bad publicity to the Vatican. Um, The Pope at the time was John Paul II, who was Polish, uh, just like the Pauline Fathers. And he was said to be sympathetic to their problems because of their shared heritage and wanted to make the whole issue just go away he was like you know what guys i also have a stereo in my room yikes here's five million yikes he's like you fucked sister paula five million dollars me too your hit list insane (laughs) your hit list is insane my friend uh in the end the pauline fathers misappropriated embezzled or outright stole 20 million dollars and half of the 30-man order left the monastery when they were told they would need to give back their televisions, cars, and stereos. Wow, I liked this story. So, like, 15, 15 like of the guys were like, eh, we're just done being monks then. If we can't have TV, stereos, and cars, what's even the point? What do you do <laughs> after that, though? Like, I don't know, go work at, like, a... McDonald's? Yeah, sure. Home Depot? I'll hire anyone, for the most Office part. Office Max? Yeah, all of these just get an entry level job. I don't know. Uh, you don't even I, like. You don't what even do you put, put on monk your on, resume? It's just one word. It says monk. I was a monk. It's monk. Fucked bitches. <laughs> Fuck bitches. Popped got pills. Got money. Watch TV. And that's it. And now I'm here. I would love stole this, money. I would love this job at Staples. Um. So that's <laughs> that's story number one. All right. Uh, story number two. I'm gonna let you guys know. The number one's a little lighthearted. I mean, they move dead bodies. It's yeah, not cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that story. Number two is not lighthearted at all. This Great. is very, very dark and uncool and probably the worst thing the Vatican has ever done. No, no. The the Crusades are still worse. But this is the worst financial scandal that the Vatican has ever done. All right. Yeah, I'm making that. I'm making that bold claim. Um, so there's. Is a, this the thing that might make me cry? Yes. Oh, so fuck. there, you know, there's some stuff about you know mass death and um, you know violence of all sorts um, in here, and it specifically uh, relates to World War Two. So, um, which I just spoiled something in here, but that's fine. Um, so this next one, as I said, worst defense we're covering today. And in order to talk about it, we need to go back to the creation of the IOR. Get in your time machine, kids. Buckle up. Uh, During most of the history of the Vatican, their money was never looked after in a formal manner. (laughs) So they they didn't have like an organized like financial structure. So they had no budget. Yeah, at all. They just kind of, they just spent on uh, whatever, and they didn't really track what they were spending on, how much they were spending where. They just didn't do that. That was Brilliant. like thousand, like more than a thousand years, um, which led to gross overspending and a monetary system rife with embezzlement and scandal because none of their financial history was documented. Um, that is until the formation of the IOR in 1942. Whoa! And you're probably... That's like recent yeah my grandfather was born before 1942 yeah both of them yep what the fuck and you're also probably thinking hey wasn't something happening in 1942 something of great historical significance the answer to which is of course uh it was the year rogers hornsby was inducted into the major league baseball hall of fame oh 
I'm joking. It's when America entered World War II. Uh, See, when America entered the war, it imposed a bunch of regulations on banking deals done by European entities in the United States. And it is speculated that the Vatican created the IOR to operate their own bank to keep their transactions secret from the United States. Now, why on earth would they want to do that? Well, it's because the Pope was doing business with Nazis. Great. Yeah, and I mean... Fantastic. And this seems to be an out, an outlandish cr- claim, right? How could the papacy ever be complicit to the atrocities of the Nazi regime? Well, during the war, the Vatican made strong efforts to remain completely neutral and criticized neither side doing business with both. <sighs> So many issues with that. And remember, though, like how as you how can you as a church who is supposed to be doing God's will stand by and go, yeah, you can kill six million people. I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to remain neutral. I'm going to remain neutral on this. It's I mean, context. We do need to remember where the Vatican is located. Italy. It's located in Rome, in Italy. Well, they have their own city, but it's in Rome. Yeah, which, but I mean, like, if Italy wanted to fuck with the Vatican, they 100%. Oh, they could overtake that in a minute. They could. Literally Um, a minute. And Italy was part of the Axis powers, which was aligned with Hitler. Um, Benito Mussolini. I talked about that one time. You did. Um so I could see why it might be hard to fully like come out against it, but it's actually worse than that because uh, Pope Pius the Twelfth, um, who was the Pope during the entirety of World War II, is accused of being complicitly silent during the Holocaust, uh, during the Nazi occupation of Rome, because there were Nazis in Rome at this time. Uh, there were letters exchanged between. Uh, Pius Twelfth and advisors where they debate the detainment of 1,000 Jews just 800 yards away from St. Peter's Square. Uh, there are letters from Nazi generals that say that they literally rounded them up underneath the windows of the Vatican. Like, that's how they, that's how they phrased it. Um, that makes me sick. And the con- like, I don't feel good. And the contents of the letters uh, exchanged between high-ranking officials in the Vatican, including uh, the Pope ranged from mildly anti-Semitic to extremely so. Basically, like, some of them were like, you, you, well, you can't say anything about... Um, some of them were like, hey, they shouldn't be rounding up uh, Jews. You should talk to the German, um, like, consultants to the Vatican um, to say that we already have strict enough controls. Like, the Jewish population is small enough that it's not an issue, so that you don't need to round them up. That That's the, like, my... It's obviously anti-Semitic, because they're like, we already have it under control. They don't need to take them. To the... You can't criticize them, because you're not criticizing about them killing Christians. So they were like, you can't say anything about them killing Jews if you're not going to even say anything about them killing Christians. So they instead just decided to remain quiet on the whole thing, and they focused on just money, which is a great thing to do. Love that. Um... These are, once again, crimes of humanity, but we are here to discuss the financial crime that ran alongside these. Um, As mentioned already, the IOR did business with everyone, and one of the dealings uh, with Germany was through the acquisition of stakes in insurance companies. So they 
um, bought Italian insurance companies okay. that then developed into uh, stakes of insurance policies, specifically life insurance policies. Now, a lot of these life insurance policies uh, were held by German Jews. So they invested a lot of money into policies held by German Jews and took the cash value up front for the policy. So they have the money for the policy. Uh, when families after the war came to collect on the policies for their family members who were killed by the Nazis, the insurance companies would ask for a death certificate, a right not granted purposefully to those murdered in concentration camps or by the Nazis. And when this obviously couldn't be provided, they refused to pay out the policy, and therefore the Vatican directly profited off of the murder of Jews in the Holocaust during World War II. I don't have anything to say. And because they were never a direct insurer, they never had to pay restitutions. The insurance companies that they had the stakes in did have to pay restitutions for doing that. But the Vatican never directly had to pay restitutions because they weren't a direct insurer. They just had invested in insurance companies that did these practices. Oh, my God. But they didn't care as long as they were making money. So... So messed up. The full scope of this is unclear because in the early decades of the existence of the IOR, financial records were destroyed every 10 years, which sounds just super legitimate. Let's make a big time for the bonfire. So... Uh, the creation of the bank, uh, in this, like for this reason to promote secrecy as well, uh, not only benefited, benefited the Vatican during World War II, but also many others as they basically created an offshore tax haven smack dab in the middle of what is known to be an extremely corrupt country in Italy. Uh, that is why there have been so many issues of money laundering done through the IOR to keep the transactions out of the scope of Italian police forces. Because it's basically like no longer do you have to go to the Caribbean to like or put it in a, a Swiss bank, like a numbered account in a Swiss bank. You got an offshore tax haven literally across the street that you can go deposit all your money in and, and none of it's, none of it's uh, kept Public. No one can look into it. No one can see what you're doing. No one even knows who has an account there. Um, many infamous people have held accounts at the IOR, including mobsters and the most influential Italian post-war politician, Giulio Andriotti, who was elected prime minister seven times and used his $50 million IOR account to make illegal gifts to friends and family and give political payment kickbacks to campaign contributors. We love it. So it was started to keep the secret dealings, and this just sounds like a tin hat, like a tinfoil hat thing, but, you know, they destroyed all the documents, but there's been a lot of, like, firsthand people that have been like, yeah, they were they were doing this. And it was all in a book called The The Bankers of God, which you can pick up. I actually ordered it. That I sounds like a good book, actually. I didn't read it. It's coming in this week, but I'll read it, and then I'll update you if we got anything wrong. But, um it was directly from that writer who who did a lot of primary research on the subject that kind of really broke the story. Uh hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Um, 
And that same secrecy that they benefited off of, they then continued to use to benefit people uh, who wanted to launder money for decades. Only recently has uh, the new Pope, Pope Francis, enacted any sort of like oversight over the financial sphere of the Vatican. Wow. So. Just now. Yeah. So a very. How long has Francis been Pope? Uh, since like 2011 or something, 2012. That long? Yeah. Pretty sure. Something like that. So, and all of this was born because the Vatican had enough greed to want to do business with l- the literal baddest of bad guys. That's that's the second story. Sorry, that one's Ugh. that one's rough, but it's good to know that because if you don't if you don't pay attention to stuff like that, you know, you got to yeah. know the bad stuff sometimes to make sure that we prevent it in the future. So that was heavy. So let's move on to our last scandal that does not include death, but is in fact the most recent financial scandal the Vatican has found themselves at the center of. Damn, boy, was that last story whipping cream? Because it sure was heavy. I don't think you can compare a story about the Holocaust to a sugary uh, dessert topping. I don't I don't know the, the rules on it, but I feel like that's comedy illegal. You know? I was trying to lighten the mood. I was just trying to lighten the mood. Uh, <laughs> um, in 2014, the then Secretariat of State, Cardinal Angelo Becciu, Angelo Becciu, I don't know, that's how, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, the Secretariat of State is the second in command uh, akin to the Chief of Staff, like America's Chief of Staff. That's the Secretariat of State in the Vatican. Oh, okay, um, okay. Was... Cardinal Angelo Angelo Becciu, there we go. Uh, decided he decided to invest two hundred million euros borrowed borrowed capital from Credit Suisse into a real estate fund operated by an Italian businessman, uh, Raphael Mincione, uh, with half of the money going to a business building in London's upscale Chelsea neighborhood, and the other half to other investments. They were stock market investments. They're not really the core here. Uh, the bank, however, alleges that Mincioni uh, used the money on highly volatile investments. And after a few years, the IOR had already lost $18 million of that $200 million investment. And they were seeking to mitigate the damage done and just like get, the, get out of uh, business with Mincioni. Uh, that is when they brought in an outside broker to negotiate the sale of Mincioni's part of the building to the Vatican... Uh, therefore buying him out of the deal. They just wanted to buy his part to the to the building so that they owned the building and then just like not do any more business with him. And very quickly, this new broker, whose name was Gianluigi Torsi, crafted a deal where the IOR would pay Mincioni $40 million for his share, which they readily agreed to. They were like, yeah, that's fine. Forty, And they did it in like six days. They were like, it was incredibly fast. It was great. He got the deal done. We were like, $40 million's fine. We'll pay him. We'll own the building. Um. It was discovered later, however, that Torji had inserted a clause into the contract that gave himself a thousand shares in the building, which amounted to the controlling share of the building deal. So the IOR, the Vatican just bought this building and had no rights to what happened to the building. Um, Who approved that? uh, It was the new Secretary of State. His name was... uh, Parlese, I think. I say his name um, later, I think, as someone had taken over for uh, Betty's job because he had uh, 
been bad at it. So the Pope, quote unquote, promoted him to cardinal, but it was to get him out of that position and doing something else. Uh, because they were like, you suck at this. We're yeah. moving you. And this guy took over, and then he's the one who signed the documents, was like, yeah, just we'll sign the contract. There's also some debate about if he lied to them, and then like they signed it, and then he manipulated the document later, but they don't think so. They think that they just didn't understand the contract, and instead of going to a lawyer and having them like show them what everything meant, they just signed it. So... Torsi got a thousand shares. So he, literally they said at one point they were like, he could have sold the building for 10,000 pounds the next day and they would have been able to do nothing about it even though they had paid 350 million for the building. That's crazy. Uh, and legally. Uh, the IOR though then says that Torsi attempted to extort them out of $15 million to relinquish the shares to control the building so they would effectively have bought the building a second time because now they have to pay for him, for the rights to the building. They bought the building, now they have to pay for the rights to the building. And of course, yeah, they did it. They paid him. They were like, yeah, sure, fine, we'll pay you the money. Now, how did they pay him though? Yeah, this is so. All, oh God! So all the way up to now, it's just stupid, right? It's just stupid. Um, now they're gonna uh, commit fraud. Uh, they paid him with funds directly from something called Peter's Pence Collection, uh, which is a fund filled by charitable donations that are supposed to be destined to go to humanitarian efforts, not buying upscale London real estate. We love it. But they did it. I fucking knew that's where this was going. Uh, Pope Francis also alleges, though, that they took the money without his knowledge. So that they basically stole the money to cover it up. To cover up their... That they fucked up, basically. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But that's, Well, do they have to... Do they actually have to run everything by him? So, for Peter's Pence... Peter's Pence, they do. That specifically is supposed to only be is supposed to only be accessed by the Pope. It's supposed to be only oh. his fund. He's the only one that has that has a say in where that money is spent. Okay, I understand now. But instead, they just went to, uh, this, to Switzerland, where the bank is, and just took out the money and then deposited it in his account. That was nice of them. Yeah, right? Um, among the charges associated with this crime, there are also accusations that Angelo Becciu embezzled 100,000 euros to send to a charity that was controlled by his own brother. So therefore, just probably siphoning it back to himself. Um, and also through his connection to an outside security consultant that he like had hired named Cecilia uh, Marogna, who was accused of embezzling 575,000 euros that, get this, uh, Beccio had supposedly authorized to pay ransoms to free Catholic hostages. But in, Where are their Catholic hostages? It was in Africa, I think. Oh. Um, but instead went to pay bills at, a lug, at luxury shops and boutique hotels for goods such as Louis Vuitton bags. So these people were being held hostage thinking that they're going to get saved and this bitch is buying a bag. Buying handbags. Um Cecilia does argue that it was that that money was her compensate was her consultancy fees. So she was using the money that she was paid legitimately I don't know if I for her. for her consultants, like her consulting fees. Um I don't know. Uh the whole Vatican trial which started in June of 2021 or May of 2021 has kind of stalled though. Um it hasn't it's been delayed and hasn't been finished. 
And uh, the Torzi is actually like was getting charged by like the Italian police. Good. And also by the London police. But remember, Torzi is just the guy, he put it in the contract. Maybe he manipulated it. That's that's what he did and then supposedly extorted them. Um, but his the filing of extradition for him to the UK to face trial there as was denied. So it looks like there probably won't be a criminal trial for him unless Perfect. another one is developed in Italy. And he was he was detained and then bailed in the Vatican because the Vatican also charged him. Which I didn't know that the Vatican had like a whole judicial system where yeah. they have like trials and shit. I don't know how any of it works, but they do that, I guess. I have heard that. I don't know how it operates, but I know that they've got they're they are their own city. Yes. I mean it's Vatican City and they are their own city. They're a, they're their own country. They're a completely yeah. sovereign nation. Yeah. So they're the smallest country by population and size. Smaller than Rhode Island. You can pull that out. It's a fun fault. Rhode Island's also not a country. Uh, I know, but I'm just saying it's small. It's tiny. I walked the whole thing of the Vatican. Oh, I there. thought you meant Rhode Island. No. Rhode Island's uh, much bigger. I also walked all the Vatican. So. Oh, my God. Kashan, we have so much in common. No, we don't. Uh <laughs> We do this what? podcast together, and we've both been to Rome, and we're both servers, and we're both comedians, and we're both white. Um, white grew up in uh, upper low class. Wait, no, you were middle class, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, you f- I could tell. Fucking pampered. Look at these wrists. <laughs> Look at those wrists. <laughs> these are, these They've are... never had to do a hard day's work in their life. That's not true. I just worked a 15-hour day last week. Carrying beers to tables. Yeah, I was tired. <laughs> all right. I cried the next day. Never had to swing a sledgehammer, that's all I'm gonna say. Um I have. I have swung a sledgehammer. For work? For something in the backyard. Like I didn't get paid to do it. You had a backyard? Sounds bougie to me. It sounds like Ohio. Sounds bougie to me. It's Ohio. Everything's a backyard, it's all country, right? Yep. I don't know how the Midwest works. Uh, so anyway, Anyways, we're doing a podcast. Doing a podcast. And there it is. That's it. <laughs> Three instances of misdoings by the Vatican. And believe me, there are so many more. So so much more. It's gross oh, how many there's of them there are. so much. Uh, we just barely scratched the surface on an issue that has spawned numerous books, movies, and any other form of media out there. Uh, As long as there has been an organized church, there have been people who use that organization to separate people from their hard-earned money. They hide behind the societal belief that these are the most pious and virtuous people that have ever walked the planet. But greed is inherent in humanity, and its shadow touches everything. Popes throughout history have been guilty of theft, adultery, murder, and a litany of other offenses. They are human just like the rest of us. Every institution that deals with vast amounts of wealth must do it in broad daylight, completely transparent, and must be the subject of tight regulation because the lust for money and power lies within the hearts of all people, even those in religious positions. In this case... Greed is not only one of the cardinal sins, but a sin committed by many cardinals. Good one. (laughs) Good one. So thank you for listening to today's episode. 
our anthology on the Vatican. Um, this, this has been one of the subjects we've gotten people that messaged us before be like, give us more about. Yeah. Give us more church scandals. So we gave you more church scandals. We love a church scandal I, over uh, here. I hope you were prepared for them because they kind of suck a little bit. Um, these all kind of suck. but A lot of it. Today sucked. Oh, yeah, a little bit more than a little bit. Just the second one was bad. The other ones, it was like, yes, that's, yeah, that's not see. good. That's why I sandwiched it, though. I was like, yeah. it's, uh, you know, some not, you know, a stupid one, a terrible one. And then, you know, just a little, they're stupid again. You know, yeah. it's fun to imagine them as, as stupid and not um, like entities of horrible evil. Uh, so if, if you think we are not entities of horrible evil, segues, am I right? Uh, you can follow us on our socials to interact with us. That's facebook.com slash white collars, red hands, uh, Twitter at white collars pod or Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. Um, you can also support us if you like what we're doing, you want to hear more, uh, and you want to spread the word, uh, like the word of Jesus Christ, uh, you can leave a rating or a review. Uh, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which most of you, our analytics show, are listening uh, with an iPhone right now. Yes. Um, or you can leave a rating without writing something. Totally noncommittal. You do whatever uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, either one of those. Um, you can also just like, follow, share if you're listening on any one of those other services, CastBox, uh, Pod Paradise. For those that are like our one listener on Stitcher, you can go ahead and follow on there. That's something Thanks, you can do. Friend. <laughs> um, you can also catch us over on YouTube, uh, Entertainment Buffet's channel hosts us over there. Uh, they gave us a little bit of a monetary kickback, uh, like the Italian Prime Minister gave monetary kickbacks to his campaign contributors. Uh, so you can go and uh, you can help us out there by watching us on Entertainment Buffet. You can also just give the money almost directly to us by buying our merch. Uh, and then you can rep, like Nina's repping over here right now. We're in... Wearing the beautiful white collars, red hand sweatshirt. Now for your, now it can be yours for ten easy payments of twenty nine ninety five. I'm joking, it's less than that. It's like thirty bucks. Um, so you can hit us up that way. Give us some money. Uh, money does make the world go round. We talk about that every week, unfortunately. So I think that's it. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, red Hands. hands.